All right. Well, I'm here with uh, Brian Morger, a local artist in Great Falls, and uh, thank Bla- you, Black Eagle, a bl- Black Eagle, to be more mm-hmm. to be uh, accurate. <laughs> Um, this is the first of hopefully many podcasts, and so I'm, I'm honored to be here with you, and thank you for, for accommodating me. You too, Drew. I, uh, I can already see it now. Uh, podcast 976. <laughs> podcast 1500. And, and, you, and will, you will always be number one. <laughs> and I'll always be number one, and I, I, yeah, this is truly an honor as well. Uh, I think the... Um, the possibilities for podcasts is the new big thing. I am I'm totally convinced. Yeah, I think it's a great platform for uh, sharing information and ideas, and being able to uh, to to li- lift lift each other up and and uh, hopefully spread new ideas instead of just sort of um, rehashing old ideas. So that that's really the, what got me interested in doing this was to. Uh, explore my curiosity as much as possible. Well, I look at it as, I, I've been a long-time listener of radio programs. Sure, sure. And uh, over over my lifetime, uh, I, I would say 40 years of, of listening, I can only name a handful. Right. But now, this platform, this technology, gives talented guys like you and thousands of others Mm -hmm. the ability to really uh go in and get at the uh go to the bone for information and into the hinterlands you know for crying out loud you're you're, you're in black eagle montana (laughs) so i i'm curious about some of your your background as an artist and how you got interested in art so can you just tell me about when you first started to realize that art was something you wanted to do, and how old were you when you when you started uh, doing art, and who who were who were and mm-hmm. who are some of your mm-hmm. favorite artists now? Uh, I don't want this to sound too cliche, but as <laughs> as, as long as I can go back and remember, um, my childhood home, it, the walls, uh, my old bedroom that I shared with. Uh, several siblings uh, was uh, graffitied. Oh, okay, interesting. And, was that and, here in Black Eagle? No, this was in the, my hometown of Fort Benton. Oh, okay, and we moved out of this home when I was six years old. But the people who bought it, um, they uh, they knew of my proclivity to to always be drawing, and they saved uh, a portion of this bedroom wall. Oh, cool. And uh, uh, had this idea that I would be a, a great artist one day because of what they saw. Wow. <laughs> and the prophecy has come true. Well, and, and when I was in second grade, I uh, I rolled out a... Um, my, my dad would buy uh, wax paper to uh, package deer meat. He... Um, Packaged a lot of venison, and this this paper would come in these extremely long rolls, and they were about thirty inches high. And uh, this was a great um, medium for me because I could lay the waxy <laughs> part on the floor, wow. and I could draw almost for infinity. Wow! And one of these um, 
projects I got going on was a um, about a 25 or 30 foot Revolutionary War battle that I drew in second grade with wow. with uh, thousands of these little men teaming uh, with. A musket and, and bayonet. Yeah, but was this on that that wax paper? Yes. Wow. Right. It's very and, very Montana. Uh, to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> your your crew started on on uh, paper used to package venison. Right. That's awesome. And uh, and it was hung in the, in the hall of my uh, my elementary school in Fort Benton. Wow. Uh, it probably wouldn't uh, be hung in in this day and age because it was it was rather graphic. It was I I had. Uh, uh, Soldiers bayoneting other soldiers <laughs> and cannon fire and uh, uh, how, how did you feel when you saw that? I was I was school? exhilarated. It, yeah. it was it was when I would get into these these projects. It was as though I was I was in a zone. Okay. And and uh, I would draw for hours and and, and I would even what? make the sound effects and <laughs> and, and some of the the dying gasps and uh, and the horses rearing and. Uh, uh, and this this rolled um, artwork, if you could call it, uh, eventually was taken down and and uh, sat behind my parents' sofa for years. Okay. And uh, it's the one thing from my childhood that I wish I could locate, but I'm, oh, it's I, lost. I'm sure it's long gone. Oh wow, yeah. interesting. So, can you tell me more about about that uh, that state of consciousness or that state of mind that? The zone that you're talking mm-hmm. about, what, what, what is that like, and how do you get into some sort of state of mind like that? I, I was able to access it more um, in my youth, I would say, than I, okay. I do now. The, uh, my, my abilities to concentrate now are less than they were then. Um, I don't know where this, I, I guess it's, it's old age coming on to me. But it's the reason why I think young people can produce and accomplish so much this it's why so many of the great ballads are written by men who are 22 years old right and uh uh you know even even great uh, symphonies and uh um novels it's that energy it's that creative energy that, that comes right. back uh is I, it, do you think there's a way to access that or is it something that just comes of its own accord. I think there's a genetic component. Wow. Okay. Do. That's interesting. Uh, and then also practice and habit. And the more you are able to um, conjure this and, and bring it into practice and say, I'm, I'm sitting down for this. Right. And then find a way to get into the zone, either through oh, some kind of exercise, you know, sometimes caffeine is okay. great to kick it off. Right. Um, Would you say that this this state of mind, when you say getting into the zone, it do you feel like you're sort of um, being a vessel in which something from somewhere else is is transferring through you on onto a page? So, I realized that at about age forty that okay. I that I was a conduit of sort, right? And most recently, in a project I was doing, I, I, I built a a life-size driftwood horse that is now suspended downtown at uh, 
winds by Wednesday. Oh, okay. From the ceiling. And it moved. It, I, it was, it was yeah, at the so Keller guys, right? That's right. That's where I created it. Oh, okay, cool. And it was from seven or eight years of collecting Missouri River driftwood. Wow, that's beautiful. Uh, for all the all the parts of this horse. And it started out as just the head and neck. And then I thought, well, why not keep going? Right. <laughs> and then well. at a certain point, uh, I would run out of driftwood parts. Uh-huh. I would go to the river, and there it was. It it was as though like, the, the the four the foreleg, complete with hawk and hoof, was was there, and it, I just couldn't pick it up. I had to wait out and get it, and when I took it back, <laughs> it 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 worked perfectly. Wow! And and then uh, I know it is going to sound a little woo woo. Uh, and then it was as though pieces just started being pulled out of my hand and attaching themselves to the remainder of this horse. Wow. And uh, and then it was fun. It was really, uh, I, I felt as though uh, there were others working with me. And sometimes there were others. There were people who would come out of the the front uh, section of Kellergeist, which was the bar. And I'm working in this old theater section in the back on this horse right. suspended from the scene and and it and i over the course of my career i've in my various studios i've had people from the neighborhood that would wander in and they would say you know that would look better if you <laughs> and by god so it, was a, it, it would work collaboration out yes. as so well. there's 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 always been a sort of collaboration cool. uh, I, i've uh, i've always enjoyed having people wander through uh, my studio, uh, even if they they weren't artists, they they would still have an eye for uh, what I was doing, and their suggestions were have always been appreciated. Do you think every person you meet and every experience you have transforms the kind of art that you make in the future? Yes, yes, it it, it, it is. Art is about people, others. Okay. Uh, art is not a; it, it is not made in a vacuum. Right. It, it's it's all about it's communication. Right. It's part of the creative process. Uh, this is a creative process. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, politics is a creative process. Right. Uh, um, management is a creative process. Sure. Uh, so it it, but this is a creative process that tends to get the most applause. Yeah. And uh, and that's why I do you, do you think that's because human beings are mostly visual creatures? Uh, well, audible as well. I mean, look what music has has done for the world. Sure, true. And uh, but I, at a certain point in my career, I also realized that being able to make art, sell it, and turn around and do another piece because that's old, and uh, feed my pets, have my a domicile and and put gas in the truck. It's been a privilege. Yeah. There there is a privilege that comes with um, um, with a um, with a honed ability. Yeah, and that's why I respect it. That's why I've never uh, tempted the fates too much. I, I I I'm always grateful every time I I sell something. Of course. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, what would you say to people that feel like they don't have a, a creative ability or an artistic ability? I remind them uh, that, oh, you know, not necessarily so. Let, let me help you sure. uh, understand 
where your expertise lies. Perhaps you're lucky in, in that you knew from a very young age where your creative outlet was, as other people might have mm. to take more time to find that sort of thing. I, I, I knew what it would be because, well, I, in ways, I, I'm not much of a better painter than I was when I was 19 or 20. Um, I did portraits of my grandmothers at that age where I look at now and I go, wow. Wow. Uh, I, I did it. I did that. Uh, and I think now that possibly I wouldn't be able to render them because I don't have the patience. Um, uh, I, I would be I would be in a four or five hour uh, zone of sedation. It was like wow. when, when I would when I would do these, and it was I remember it being, and I thought that it would all, this would always be there. Right now, I have to really um, prepare for that. I I have to make sure I'm well rested oh, okay. i have to eat the right things and you know that i suppose this is why the saying that life is somehow wasted on the youth they don't realize what they have right <laughs> until it's gone perhaps. yes right Wait, would you relate that that state of consciousness somehow to the divine or or somewhat religious in a sense well spiritual yeah. uh you can i guess you can convert it to religious um I mean, look at the um, the Renaissance period. I mean, these were all religious images mm -hmm. that were commissioned by um, well-to-do, rich Italian families. Right. Uh, and, of course, we're, we're talking about artists like uh, da Vinci and Michelangelo. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and um, but pretty much all the imagery that they could commercialize had a religious undertone to it. Sure. Because uh, it was the, it was the great story of the day. Right. <clears throat> Another thing I wanted to ask you about was Montana and how, how has Montana and its landscapes um, affected your style and played out in the artwork that you make because Montana is such a, such a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, uh, growing up in Fort Benton, my mother was from Black Eagle, and uh, 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 my folks would make a lot of trips to Great Falls, and I had eight brothers and sisters. And um, and I didn't like uh, going to uh, shop with them, and uh, I wanted to um, do what I wanted, and, and I would ask them to drop me off at the Russell Art Museum. And so they would deposit me there. Uh, we would pick a day when we knew they were going to be open. And I would spend uh, several hours there. And I would wander around. And uh, I think they, wa they wondered who this kid was many times. And, <laughs> I, would, himself. and I would get real close to the, the paintings. And I would look how, around. How old were you? I was uh, 10, 11, or 12. Oh, okay, right yeah. in there. And and I would uh, see if anyone was watching, and I would touch the painting. Yeah. And, and, why? And, why? What? What uh, compelled you to want to touch the painting? Uh, uh, to connect touch, you to to yeah the divine the artist. <laughs> <laughs> touching something that to me was uh, magical, and wow. and I would uh, kind of study the, the the work and see how Russell himself had put it together. And I've never had a formal lesson. And, really? I uh, know. Uh, 
it's not it's not that I'm teachable. I just never was able to, uh, I guess, uh, relax long enough to uh, accept the teaching. It's, it uh, seems like teaching someone art would be very, very difficult to do. You can teach fundamentals. Sure. And I've been asked to, to teach art. And I, and I was an art teacher uh, years ago when I, when I first left the University of Montana. I went to Alaska, and I was a, a kindergarten through 12th grade uh, art teacher for uh, Eskimo villages in Bush, Alaska. Right. And, 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 and it was fundamental art teaching. Sure. Uh, so the few times that I have been asked to, uh, to uh, teach, I just say, watch me. And I, I, because I don't really know how to convert, uh, what I'm doing into instruction. Right. Into words. Yes. That seems extremely difficult, if not impossible. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Continue on about, uh, uh, going to the art museum from uh, oh yeah Charlie so Russell. i would so i would spend uh as as long as a day as i could there and uh, sometimes they would have to ask me if to leave because they were closing <laughs> <laughs> and i would so you, were you you would spend hours in there yes then. <laughs> yeah and uh and i would look at the letters and and I, I would go back to the same piece that i just got done gazing at and trying to touch and uh, and then I would wait for my family to pick me up in the in the station wagon, uh, waiting out on the boulevard, and um, and we'd go back to Fort Benton, and and my brothers and sisters would I'd say, so how was the day at the art museum? <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea how magical it was for you, I'm sure. <laughs> <clears throat> so when you went to Alaska, um, were there any Great artists from Alaska. I, I don't know much about. Well, there, art there from was, Alaska. yeah. Um, Alaska, because this was back in the eighties, and this is when the hair was still on there. <laughs> right. And um, there were native uh, artists, and then there was, uh, of course, artists from the lower forty-eight. That okay, had, that's interesting. How did that differ? Because it it would seem to me that native artists have a different relationship with the physical landscape in, in their worldview oh, yeah. than, than uh, mm-hmm. other, other people. Yeah. They, uh, uh, mostly carvers, ivory carvers. Oh, okay. Um, and the, uh, the women, uh, not all, uh, but it was mainly, um, uh, a woman's craft to make these wonderful baskets. Oh, cool. Uh, and, uh, some of them are highly prized and they endure decades. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And whereas the men were, they would make these, uh, incredible kayaks that were almost artworks in themselves. And, right. and the, yeah, and then these wonderful carvings. Do you do any, any, uh, sculpture or carving work or? Well, right behind you. Take a look. There's, oh, wow. uh, that's a, uh, one to three hundred to scale. Uh, plaster, mm, contractor material made big stack that we wow. had here. Uh, we had a 506 foot uh, smokestack that was part of the. Is Anaconda. that the same? same yes, uh, right? right there. I've depicted it in a painting. There, it's in three dimension, and and I've I've carved that smokestack. You know, although it's just a, basically a cylinder, it it still holds a, a beauty and a and it and it's. It's a mythical object to to the people of 
not only Black Eagle, but Great Falls and the surrounding area. Right. And uh, so every time I, I render this image in anything, uh, it becomes immediately marketable. I, I just did a Halloween painting you'll see there, uh, and it's called the uh, Black Eagle Trickster. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, oh, that's awesome. I, I developed a, uh, I told, I made up a legend that went with it. And um, So you, uh, you, you write as well. Yes, yeah. Um, because over the years, I figured in my paintings, I'm just telling a story. Uh, I set a stage, and you know, if I've got Owen, oh, uh, I uh, a lot of my paintings take two or three months to do, or they did, and uh, possibly it's a it's an opera house with um, riders in the street and a popcorn wagon, and and. Uh, people going into the theater and and um, another one might be the uh, an old brewery with Percher and Stallions pulling a beer wagon out and there's a train and, and the background is the city uh, skyline of Great Falls with its courthouse and and its uh, railroad depots right uh, there's a lot going in there's it's there's a story being told so um, I uh, I pretty much um, divided my my brain half and half. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm part vocal, uh, thinking words, and then uh, uh, the other half of the time I think in pictures. And, okay. Uh, so, do you typically pair them? Do you do you write write stories that yes. go with oh, yeah. with here's paintings? A, here's a. Sorry about my dog. He's uh, <laughs> he's he's going through a time right now. <laughs> Maybe smell. That's all right. He's a sweetie. Uh, this is a this is the cover of a story. Uh, I'm going to use my family in a lot of these oh, okay. these stories, and and this is a uh, a tale about when my grandfather was a superintendent of the uh, water plant in Fort Benton. Oh, okay, he took cool. my my oldest brother. Uh, this is back in the fifties, and um, as my brother told it, and he doesn't tell a lot of stories out of school. He claims to have um, seen a um, a monkey man that was looking in the window when my like a bigfoot. Yeah, like a bigfoot. And now this is back in the mid fifties, right? And then here's I drew this. It doesn't exist anymore, but this is the old. Water plant wow. in Fort Bend, which I'm cool. going to send to my brother. Um, but there's um, pictures of of the uh, you know, wow, of the, <laughs> nice of the monkey man looking in, and then uh, I suppose uh, well, I could have been better prepared and had four or five of the other images ready. But there's one of the. Uh, the monkey man looking in, and, and as a story, like from from his perspective, yes, looking oh, okay. out, yeah, and um, um, he uh, his memories of it are very vivid. And my grandfather was in another part of the water plant, and he told him because of these big um, water tanks, you know, to not, which was over here, you can see, it, you know, to stay in your chair, and he had him uh, his books or whatever he was, he could bring to work. And, and um, but it happened when he was out in another part of the plant, and and um, claims to this day he saw a monkey man. Wow. <laughs>
So it seems like, would I be correct to say that a lot of your art focuses on sort of a nostalgic feeling of, of, of uh, bygone days mm-hmm. in, in Montana? Yeah. Um, I didn't know that it was nostalgic. And then I heard at one time that nostalgia is a dread disease. And then recently I heard a great program on NPR that really um, changed everything, the way I look at nostalgia. And it and it explained that it is a, a healthy human emotion. Mm-hmm. And there's two times in our lives where it's really strong. It's it's very strong uh when an individual is in their early twenties, and this interesting, and and this is why these wonderful love ballads are made by young men. Oh, okay. And this is why um, young men go off to war and they pine away about uh, the being back home and their sweetheart. Why do you think that is? Well, I, I think again it's keyed into our DNA, um, and that there's more at work in our uh, in the way we're encoded right. to direct us. Sure. And then I didn't, I was, I wasn't very nostalgic or sentimental at all through my thirties. And by God, if this, this NPR program, which I, I wish I could recall the, uh, uh, the author's name right now. Um, but, uh, essentially that's for a reason too. And, um, uh, because there's, there's some serious work that needs to be done right. at another part of a person's life. And yeah. now, uh, right on cue, nostalgia is beginning uh, to work at me again as I'm now in my late 50s. Did you and feel nostalgia in, in your early 20s as well? I or? did. Okay. Incredibly nostalgic. And, uh, M- nostalgic f- um, about I, what exactly? I, nostalgic for all the great music and novels I ever read. I had a... Uh, uh, I had about me a um, a sort of um, noble a noble depression that I carried. A noble sorrow, yes. Okay. Uh huh. And that allowed me to. Uh, uh, I guess sometimes it allowed me room and a safe place to to create sure. a, and an excuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. You know. It I, seems like all great art. Typically, comes from a, a, a sorrow or a, or a, even a depression. It does. It seems like people that that lack that have a more difficult time being mm-hmm. creative. I've I've interviewed people, and they say, "I don't know what you're talking about," um, and it's probably a very good thing. Right. <laughs> and uh, there's there's I also realize through some studies, some, because I also enjoy psychology, uh, is that we're really composed of three different moorings. And uh, we're either, uh, as a, out of the gate, we're either a thinker, a feeler, or a doer. Um, now, uh, now, my buddy Billy Brennan is a doer. Right. Just like his <laughs> grandfather. Sure. <laughs> Who um, sentimentality was a, was a sort of nonsense. Right. Man, he could build houses. Yeah. Man, he could build a business. Yeah. Man, he could uh, uh, rig your house for uh, heating and cooling uh, 
And uh, these are all things that uh, are beyond me. Sure. And uh, and it's also why I think that the, the creative is is sometimes a solitary uh, individual. You you have to be. You you can't really afford to to carry uh, too many uh, dependents with you, uh, unless they're. Do you mean just strictly for? Time-wise or, or emotionally-wise? Yeah, both. Okay. Yeah. Um, and 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 practicality-wise. Right, um, right. Uh, I've, I've read enough accounts of artists who had families and artists who had um, no family or just a wife or solitary, and, and you can kind of see that, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 it depends too on on the work ethic uh, and um, uh, how well you can produce uh, under duress. Right. And with kids running through the studio, I would find that very difficult yeah. <laughs> to be able to get anything done. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Do you think there there is a line to be walked in? Episodes of great sorrow or depression. By that, I mean, is there a point where you could be too, almost too too sorrowful or too too depressed, or is that when your greatest work comes out? You just described Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh, a real a real depressive. Oh my God, he was. Uh, but um, in his story, and if you've ever seen the. Uh, um, with with Kirk Douglas, um, what is it? The ecstasy and the agony and the ecstasy uh, from 1954. It's as though this movie could have made, been made today. It is so wow. well made, and it describes Van Gogh as a as a person uh, who was suffering from bipolar disorder. Right. The highs and low. I mean, it was almost like a clinical. Uh, um, a video of, right. of this, and I wouldn't say it's a disease. I would just say it's it's a state of being. So today, if if Vincent Van Gogh lived today, perhaps as a young man he would have gone to a psychiatrist and been given medications to mm-hmm. relieve his suffering. Perhaps he wouldn't have created the art that he did because of that if he lived today. I, he would not have created the art. So do you think and, we're doing a disservice to creativity and to art in uh, in in telling people that they they perhaps have a disease that should be fixed instead of just trying to learn to live with it and and uh, learn to use it in mm-hmm. in a creative fashion. Um. Well, boy, I I don't want to <laughs> give too much an opinion there, but probably sure. Yeah, I mean. Uh, natural is still the best, uh, but there are um, there are things that go on inside the human brain, chemical wise and traumatic wise. Uh, this is why I'm so fascinated with psychology because mm. it's it's such a wide breadth yeah. um, itself. Yep. And um, um, but my advice to maybe somebody who said, I want to do what you do, how do I go about that? And I would say, um, 
get your exercise so you can sit longer and work in the, in the studio, uh, eat well, and get your rest. And uh, if you uh, uh, feel like you need to carouse and and, and drink, or uh, make sure that it it doesn't get a hold of you, that it doesn't become a habit, right? And that you don't attract too many uh, ne'er do wells. Right. Uh, <laughs> I do have That's some very, some very interesting friends that I've collected over the years, and. Uh, um, uh, they're, they're, they're still my friends, uh, but I, but I never, um, um, I, I guess I never fell under the spell of any of them if I saw that they had, um, really bad habits because, you know, you first form a bad habit, then it forms you. Right. Sure. That's a great line. So how, do, how did you go about protecting yourself from falling into dis- sort of destructive habits? Well, I came pretty close a few times. I looked into the abyss. Um, but I um, uh, I always knew that within me was a spirit that expected more. And, and I respected that inner voice. And, um, and also... Would you call that uh, God? Uh, I do. Yeah. Uh, and also, I have some very good people that have been around me. I have some good, very good family members that um, probably helped save me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and some very good friends that probably helped save me. Yeah. Uh, because uh, I, I, too, have been prone to, to depression and some of the other things that befall uh the working artist, the living artist, uh, right. periods of uh, inability to work right. and uh, distraction and uh, uh, kind of going off the rails and then coming back to it. And then uh, I, all along the way, I've been helped by others. Sure. I did not do this on my own. Right, of course. Yeah. Yeah, the, the community support seems vital for for everyone. And it, in these times, it's more important than ever, it seems like. Truly, truly is. Uh, we, we are nothing without others. We, we can't learn anything about ourselves without having others around us. Right, right. I, I tried that. I, I, I thought, well, maybe some, um, some real isolation would, uh, would be good for me. So I tried isolation a couple times. One was building a treehouse in the woods. Uh-huh. And another Wait, was what, what was that like? What kind of treehouse? Oh, where was that? Well, at? it was it was up on family property, a thousand acres of okay. of pristine river bottom near my hometown, and uh, I uh, went into a, a group of seven or eight uh, closely clustered cottonwoods, and I I built this sort of Swiss family Robinson treehouse. Wow. And it was my fantasy that I was going to live there. Wow. Uh, But you forget that for a few months out of the year, um, and there was no electricity going (laughs) down to prison, and um, uh, the temperatures would would dip to uh, 35 below. You didn't have a a wood fire stove in there? No, I had had two... two, uh, 
two wood fire stoves. Wow. And, it must have been a fairly large place then. It was, and there was there was plenty of, of wood. Uh, <laughs> but getting in and out of the place when it snowed was difficult and I had sure. I had to I had to still make a living. Right. Um, Did you ever live there for Period no, of weeks or months? I, I stayed there, uh, but um, does it still exist? No, no. There was uh, uh, there there was some rather um, well, there was there was some stuff happening, and, and the property is no longer in the family. Oh, okay, I see. And um, the uh, the person that bought it wanted it to be perfectly pristine, and and I believe that my structure was was. Down. Oh, okay. Um, do you have a photo of it? I do somewhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the other time was I um, I rented my house uh, in Great Falls out, and I had a working studio uh, a few blocks away, which was a converted four-stall garage. And um, I built a bedroom in it, and I uh, felt as though I... I really needed to catch up on my reading, and I'd gotten ahead financially, and uh, and I closed myself into this garage, and I covered up the windows, and I read voraciously for months. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> and, and about that time, I um, I had developed a relationship with a with a woman, and. Uh, she often would be banging on the walls. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm big, busy. I'm reading. <laughs> the big steel door. And you know, I know you're in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I was reading the classics. Uh, I, I really wanted, uh, I really wanted to get serious about my reading. I, I felt as though I, I did so much art in the years, in the decades up to that, that I didn't have a chance to really read like I wanted to. Oh, okay. So I, I devoted that time to catch up on my reading, but it was devastating t- for relationships. Yeah, uh, I can imagine. Yes, <laughs> especially when she knows you're in there and you don't come to the door. Well, well, just not to her, but to, to family members, right, to, right. to other people I had known. Uh, they they really thought it was it was crazy, and maybe it was. Um, uh, <laughs> but man, I got some reading done. Yeah, now you can create art and listen to the classics in audiobooks. You That's can right. do both at the same time. I, I, well, I was doing that before. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, there's there's an old Zen saying that if you're going to do something, do it and only it. Okay. <laughs> if you're going to eat, just, just, you know, instead of reading and eating and listening to music and carrying on a conversation, do all of those things right. uh, separately, and you realize you get so much more out of it. So, right. so when I got into my reading, and and I was still doing a little bit of art, uh, I would look at the words on the page, and I would <laughs> look at the sentence, and I and I realized there was there was beauty in in words and paragraphs, right. especially by good authors. Have you? Uh... I, I imagine you're very into poetry. Have you read any Zen poetry? Speaking of Zen, well, uh, Basho or uh, did, did you notice in my bathroom there? <laughs> I, I didn't. There were so many in there that I was kind of just amazed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's. Uh, 
I can't recall any. Yeah, but it would, yeah, yeah. If you went in there and rifled around, you'd probably find three or four. Okay, cool. Uh, cool. Do, do you have a favorite author or a favorite top three? Oh, yeah. Um, my favorite my favorite author and my favorite book is an American author, that, uh, uh, John Steinbeck. Oh, okay. And the book is Cannery Row. I've never read and, that one. Well, you've got to read it because everything, um, well, I identified with a character in there. Oh, okay. Very strongly. And the the book, when I first read it, um, well, in, in high school, I didn't really think really a lot about it. When I started rereading it, and I've, I've read it about ten times now. Wow. And Did it change every time you read it? Yes. Uh-huh. And it's medicine. Every time I felt myself going into this place, this place of depression, this book brings me out of it. Wow. That's and, very and powerful. I, it's, and it's, it restores your faith in humanity. I think, I think it would be great if the whole nation were to read this book right yeah. now. <laughs> Based on uh, what you said, I yeah, agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I used to I used to buy it in uh, a half a dozen at a time, and I'd hand it out to people like wow. like a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> That's phenomenal. So, um, do you are you close in the community of artists in Montana? Do you know a lot of <clears throat> other artists that that live here in Great Falls or in in Montana? Now this is going to sound sound strange, and maybe even um, maybe even well, sort of narcissistic. But no, I I, I don't really cater to do, to other artists. I because I like scientists. Okay. I, I like I like biology uh, biologists. Uh, That's I, very I, interesting I like, for like, uh, for I an like, artist. I like uh, I like a working man. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I um, when I did enough shows in my youth, um, and very often when when the artists would gather to take the, the the art show picture of the of the fifteen or twenty artists that were, I was not present uh, because I just I was late. I was late getting there, and not that I didn't want to be part of it. I, I just it wasn't important for me to to discuss next week's show and how right. much and how much I just made last week. Right. Or um, where I took instruction because I never had any instruction. Um, do do most art, artists typically have formal instruction? Yeah. Oh, okay. They do. Wow. Um, there's there's a, there's several like myself that have figured it out, you know, or had one uh, mentor. I I, I, did, I did have a mentor. Oh, okay. And I, and I have to mention he was my my high school art teacher. Okay, gotcha. And his name is Dave Parchin, and he still he lives in a cabin up near Monarch. Uh, and he he played the role of of not just teacher, but uh, he was also my wrestling coach. Uh, he uh, it was as though if I was um, if I was a young King Arthur, he was Merlin. Okay. <laughs> uh, he really showed me the ways of the world and cared about me. Wow. And um, uh, and I learned some of the, the fundamentals of art and then I then I 
took off on my own and uh, and he taught in the in as as an art teacher uh, as as a as an earth science teacher for 40 years and then retired and raised a family and and uh, in many ways I uh I got out of the public school system teaching and I took off on my own so we 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 diverged in in careers that way but but he became the family man and he is now grandpa and he's right. and, and, and and a great he's he's, he's a wonderful guy he's, he's he made a huge and lasting impression on me and and my work you you can see a little bit of him in in all of my work wow that's that is is really beautiful yeah <clears throat> do you still keep in touch with him yeah i do um about once a year i drop in uh, up in monarch and spend the night yeah. Have you ever collaborated on on a piece of artwork? With I mean, him? O- other than um, like you were mentioning before, when people drop in and, and, and uh, like well, uh, with the horse, but uh-huh. at, like with with another artist, only once with with this art teacher. Oh, okay, with, okay, with cool. Dave Bargen, yes. What was it? What we would we would get together during the uh, Shoto County Fair in Fort Bend, and and we did it for uh, maybe three or four years in a row, and and uh, we would. He'd paint a mountain man on one side, and I'd paint a, a trapper, and then we'd then we'd start mixing the the landscape. Uh, you know, oh. he'd paint a tree over here, and I'd do a tree over here. So you'd start from the edges and w- yeah, work we'll inwards. Yeah, kind of work in, yeah. <laughs> and well, wow, but those were, were something special. I think he's got one of them hanging in his his studio up there. Okay, and, cool. Uh, I still have one. I think we sold the others. Okay, wow, yeah. wow yeah. that's awesome. And then, we, of course, we both. Put our signature on it, and right? Yeah. So collaboration, uh, yes. How long did it take you to develop or or refine your style? Uh, as I told you earlier, uh, I don't really consider myself a much better painter than I was. Uh, at twenty, right. everything arrived real quickly. Okay, and it worked a lot out, but I'm still refining now. There are things that I couldn't do then that I do now. Right, I, the, the more abstract um, approach to uh, to artwork, the the um, the driftwood horse. I, I don't think I could have done that as uh, I couldn't have done that twenty years ago. That, okay. that, that took years of watching horses seeing how a horse so there's there's a crystallization that happened about four or five years ago okay that came from 50 years of just looking and uh, the visual arts are sort of like that um, whereas you can have a child prodigy uh, in music at age 13 or 14 right sometimes younger right <laughs> uh, you can have you have certainly athletic prowess uh peaking early um but the um but the real fine art aspects of of um executing successfully sometimes takes several decades wow yeah you, you'll you'll find even charlie russell um his i don't think i don't think the 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 uh C.M. Russell art extravaganza that goes on every March in Great Falls would even accept a piece that he did before he was forty. Wow, his, really? His work was was not all that 
I agree. But but it changed uh, within a couple of years after he went to New York and he watched some other illustrators work and and somebody sh- maybe showed him uh, how to arrange his palette with with colors. And he too was um, he didn't have any formal training. <coughs> and um, uh, but things took off for him. Uh, he truly is a, a genius. Um, and his work ethic, my God, um, just, you, I, I don't think anyone could, could outwork him. Wow. And, and he died at 62 and a half. And he created, the, you know, that incredible body of work. Yeah. In the years that he was married to Nancy, um, let's see, she was, she was, uh, well, he was about, uh, he was about 32 or 33. So <clears throat> really what he accomplished in about 30 years um, and, and and probably 15 really good years mm-hmm, is what comprises. So his, his last 15 years? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. wow. He um, created an, an image of, I think it was T- Teddy <clears throat> Roosevelt killing a grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. And uh, sent it into the to the president at that time. Or do you plan on creating something to send it into the president, perhaps? <laughs> uh, no, no, I, uh, uh, I, I'm, I, I sent a work one time to uh, Paul Harvey, and uh, I enjoyed his radio program. And, oh, okay. And so I, uh, I did a painting of my hometown hero, Shep the sheepdog. <laughs> and uh cool. and I and I did that when I was 23. Okay. And um it still is one of my best-selling reproductions. Wow. And um so I sent one of these to Paul Harvey and he made a um, rest of the story program from the image and oh, he nice. called me and <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning um it came a call from uh, the CBS uh, radio studio <laughs> in Chicago, and Paul Harvey is on the line. Uh, which, wow! And, and, Were you surprised? Yes, I was very surprised. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, so I waited, and, and good morning, Brian. <laughs> I received your artwork, and uh, young Paul, his son Paul, he says has written it into one of the uh, rest of the story programs, which oh, will cool. which will air on your. Uh, area radio station KMON later today. And, wow. uh, and, uh, and then uh, he sent me the reel to reel on it, and I made, he said I could give as many as I wanted out, and, and I used cool. to give away uh, the, the stories. Wow, uh, that's the story, awesome. The, the rest of the story on Shep the Sheepdog. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, what do you have any plans in the future for uh, new projects or? Perhaps mm-hmm. uh, seeking new inspiration. What what are your what's your future look like in the next couple of years? Uh, more illustrations for for stories being told. Okay. Um, so it, is it, when when did you start writing? Is that something that's been recent, or have you always um, paired your artwork artwork with stories? Uh, I've been writing poetry for for forty. 45 years. Okay. Yeah. So are the, is, is it typically poetry that you're, you're pairing with artwork? No, it's, uh, um, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a storytelling style. Okay. And uh, now, yeah. 
and then uh, I'll probably do some poetry uh, uh, illustration as well. Um, and then I, I have found the you know the social media medium as as possibly a platform for telling the story, showing the imagery, telling the story, right. and somehow uh, making it available as a book. Okay, cool. Um, and then I have some serious writing that maybe illustration won't won't be a part of. And and, and by ha- by serious, you mean? Well, it it has to do with with an esoteric nature, uh, the, um, the the more supernatural uh, experiences of my life that wow. I that I that I encountered um, Can you- when I was building the treehouse, okay. uh, when I was on the road, when I when I wandered about. Uh, Do you think sp- you could describe one of those to me right now? Well, <laughs> this this sort of is a, a kind of a spooky story. Um, and um, I've told it enough now where you're hearing it identically to to the first time I told it. Okay. And um, it was um, the end of summer, and it was the third year that I was building the, the treehouse. And I was hiring help, uh, carpenters, and I wasn't doing all of this myself because it was, it was quite, a, quite an undertaking. And um, I had a hammock strung between two of the trees and I had sort of a, an outdoor kitchen and um, and I first built an, a, a small A-frame cabin uh, to work out of um, the first year <clears throat> and on this this day in uh, late summer it was one of those days that is so warm that it's as though you're an ambionic fluid and um, uh, it was completely still. Um, it was a wonderful day. I, I think it was a Sunday. And uh, it was late, and I was exhausted, and I laid in the hammock. And I had a, a wolf hybrid dog at that time. His name was Danny, and he laid beneath the hammock. And I had a candle lit, and it was so still that the f- flame was vertical. Wow. Uh, hardly any motion to to the flame, and um, I fell asleep. And uh, I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt, bare feet. And um, uh, sometime later, probably close to midnight or one o'clock in the morning, I uh, I woke up to see headlights of a car bouncing across this prairie. Um, now, this is a river bottom, and, 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 I'm, and I'm building these, this treehouse on an old island. Um, the river's on one side, and it's kind of an oxbow, and, it, and it's, it's a dry uh, bed between me and this, this prairie, which comprises about six 700 acres. Wow. And uh, beyond it, that is... totally flat, or just pretty sort of much rolling pretty, hills? Pretty, pretty flat, a little, little rolling, and then... Beyond that are these river bluffs, these ancient river bluffs. Right. And um, so I, I wondered, you know, 
who who is this? It's and and the car was really bombing at uh, <laughs> you know at, at a high rate of speed. And you weren't you weren't expecting anybody. No, or I wasn't expecting like anyone. And I'm thinking, well, this is this an emergency? Maybe somebody right. you know, they're coming <laughs> to tell me because I, I couldn't get cell services out in this place, uh, fairly isolated, and um, and now I, I enjoyed I enjoyed being by myself out there when I was uh, and this this big dog that was with me always provided company, and I sure. enjoyed myself capitally. Well, <laughs> so I, I propped myself uh, up on my elbow uh, in this hammock, and I and I watched these headlights come towards me, and uh, the beam of light was kind of bouncing around. And, what time of day was this? Well, I, I'm saying it's about midnight. Okay. And I, probably, oh, midnight. I probably fell asleep about 10.30, and, uh, and it, it, it was twilight then, but... When I woke up, it was it was it was very dark, so it was well into the morning. Okay. And um, the car stopped abruptly at the edge of this oxbow, which was about um, thirty yards from where I was in the hammock. And the dust came wafting my way, and uh, the car turned its headlights off. And inside was the dashboard lights revealed a, a man in the driver's seat. And there was a um, a megahorn on top of the car. A uh, speaker, like an old-time speaker. Right. And he held a microphone up to his uh, his mouth like you like, you know, you, you would see in an old cop car. What are you and, what are you thinking right there? Well, I I'm thinking what in the hell who is this? <laughs> and what do they want? And I'm scared. Yeah. And uh he said, uh, "Hello, Brian." And now I'm really scared. He knows <laughs> he knows my name. And uh, he said, uh, "I need you to come up here." And I can't even speak. I can't. I can't move. And I looked down, and my dog is sleeping beneath the hammock. And I thought he should be. He up should and be barking, barking yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's sleeping. Huh. And. Um, the uh, the man in the car said, uh, "You know, I can't come down there, but you can come up here." And he says, "We need to have a conversation." Oh, uh, that doesn't sound good. I I am so terrified. Even, even telling you this now <laughs> brings back. A, <laughs> it a gives me of, chills. Yes. And um, why can't he come down there? Well, I I don't know, I don't know <laughs> who this is and. Um, so uh, he's on the property, though, right? He's not like yes, on, he's, on the edge he, of a property no, line. He, or no, he's he's well within the property. Okay, yeah. Um, now there was kind of a steep embankment that you would have to drive down, and then you could come up onto this this old island. And I thought, well, maybe that's what he means. He can't come down here. He can't drive the car down. Oh, here, okay, can't come up there. Right. But then I got to thinking. I almost feel like, you know, there's something that that is keeping him out of off of this out of this space. And he said, um, uh, you really need to come up here. And uh, he says, I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Well, <laughs> that's not very much <laughs> right. time to decide. Right. And uh, he starts counting backwards. And when he got to five, and I noticed that he's wearing a suit. He's wearing a jacket with a tie. Hmm. What in the hell is a guy wearing a, a, a suit jacket? 
he doesn't have a hat on, but I still can I can recall his voice, and I can even kind of remember what he looks like a bit. Uh, but most of the oddest thing was he's wearing a suit and tie. That is weird. What kind of pickup was it? it was like no, it was old... a car. Oh, it, car. It was it was a four door sedan of a probably a mid seventies make. Okay. Um, single colored, um, you know, like a big Buick or something. Right. And that was the other thing I wondered. I said, "What's with the old car? And what's with the speaker on top?" And, and uh, when he got to two, I I was so scared at that point, I could hardly breathe. And then he got to one, and then I woke up. I'm propped up on my elbow. I'm looking around. There's it's a dream. Well. But it was so real and so terrifying that I rolled out of the hammock and I shook my dog awake and we went into the A-frame and I boarded up the door. Wow. And I stayed awake for most of the rest of the night. Now, this um, um, this this kind of thing had never happened to me before. And then I, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, strange. And I, I finally went to sleep. And when I got up in the morning, there was, I, I saw something moving in the grass and I, um, saw the, the biggest longhorn beetle I've ever seen in Montana making its way through the grass. And somehow I equated that to the strangeness of the night before. Wow. And, um, and I, I took this, this beetle and I put it in my, my van. Because I wanted to take it out of there, and, and, and I, I deposited it at a dam several miles away on the way, way back. Trying to get, get rid of whatever yes, this sort of energy I, I was. was. Yeah. So, um, uh, a year later, uh, my uh, nephew was was visiting, and he was he was in the army, and he was in special forces, and uh, and I told him this story exactly as I just described it to you and he said uh, do you realize who that was i said no. i said it was, it was a dream man <laughs> it wasn't anybody he said, he said no he says that was a man in black <laughs> and I'd, I'd heard there was like a movie man in black right so the more i, I, I hear about this man and men in black stuff <laughs> the more it kind of i don't know Huh. Uh, points to a, a sort of strangeness. Uh, there are things that there are things that go on that we have no uh, concept of. Definitely, yeah. Uh, whatever that was, it affected me deeply. Uh, How so? Because every time I tell the story, it, it brings back the the, the, the terror of. Uh, it was it was beyond a dream. It was it was it something was too, more it was more too real. real. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um and there's there's been um so the this book that I'm going this and I began on on a few and there are the there are the the strangest things that happened in my life. Uh cool. The strangest and cr- craziest things that have happened in my life. And okay. I and I've and I've and I've I am now going back and and uh remembering them and and jotting them down. Okay. And then uh, filling them out and um 
How many are there? How many experiences oh, do you have in the book? Oh, there's probably at least 25. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. super fascinating. Yeah. Um, and then there's stories about some of my artwork, uh, strange things that have happened around uh, my original artwork that people have bought uh, that they've called me about. <laughs> uh, artwork has energy. Yes. Uh, uh, architecture has energy. Sure. Uh, furniture, old furniture has energy. Would you say maybe uh, everything has energy? Yeah, sure. And uh, so, you know, I, I I put my heart and soul into all of my work, uh, everything I've done, into the treehouse, into, um, you know, in, into the uh, um, the studios that I've built, uh, you know, whatever artwork or sculpture I'm, I'm working on, I've given it my all, and I and I think that there's there's a lot of there's a lot of intentional energy that is absorbed by that work and remains and um, I know that it'll it'll be a, a sort of legacy at some point is your book close to being done or how, how long do you expect it <laughs> well because uh, it I, w- I would love to read it to, and come back and, and chat uh, with you about some of the stories um, in there I, uh, I, I I try to to whisper about some of the things I'm doing because I think that there's also something else that that is listening and wants to curtail it or throw a monkey wrench into it. But <laughs> the more I, I talk about something and if I'm if I'm penning it, if I'm working on it, the more it it becomes reality. Sure. So the more I, I, I have put into it. all of these books are journals are Full of illustrations. Oh, cool! Uh, cool. Literally dozens of, of books, uh, full of um, just like eyes, ideas, or? ideas, okay. ideas, memories. Uh, wow! Com- completed artworks. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, so these ideas are manifesting through the grist of these journals. Right. And um, uh, if I talk about something twenty years ago. 20 years ago that I'm, I hope to accomplish, um, pretty much 20 years later, it, it's, it's going to manifest. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I would love to, uh, I'd love to hear more about some of those stories, but I'd hate to, uh, give, give you, have you give it away before, before your book is finished. <laughs> <laughs> these, these things happen to a lot of people. Right. A lot of people don't talk about them or they don't know how to communicate them. Um, but we live in a forest of, of information. Um, and we still don't know what this mysterious process of life is really even about. Yes. Um, the best thing we can do is just live it and live it to the fullest of what we're given, of what we have found to be authentic within ourselves. Right. And, um, I, uh, I'm still missing the mark, uh, you know, most days on it, but, uh, you know, over the course of years, I'm, I'm hitting, uh, sometimes dead on and, uh, you know, perhaps the harder you try, the, the more you miss. Yeah. So I think that's so. what oh, the, a lot oh, of yeah. the Buddhists think. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, the least you expect something to happen. I mean, the, the, the more you're surprised by, Something better, right? Yeah, uh, you know, God uh, says, uh, you know, 
ask for what you want, but be prepared to receive something better. Sure. And uh, so that that's why I I keep my faith through disappointment. Is that you know there must be something better than this. Right. Uh, seems seems to be a reason for everything, and yeah. at, at least in hindsight. Yeah. Well, it's 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 why. Um, so many times when people are asked towards the end of their life what they would have done differently, they say that they wouldn't have changed uh, too much of anything because they see how everything was necessary. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that we should go out and, you know, um, throw caution to the wind. Sure. About anything. But, but there's a certain amount of risk that we have to take and should take to uh, to accomplish anything that is of value. Um, and probably of value is, to me, is something new and, and um, inspiring. Um, I'm actually more of a conservative than I am probably of a, of a liberal mind. But through my conservatism, I, 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 uh, I hope I hope that there's something new that can be revealed. Beautiful. Well, I think I think that's a perfect place to end it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate it. It was good talking to you. You too, Drew. And uh, I hope this pans out for you. <laughs> this yeah. has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I uh, I uh, can't wait till your book comes out and I can read the stories and come back and talk to you about those. Right on. All right. Thank you. (laughs) You're a very good interviewer.